Hey, y'all, if you enjoy watching your podcast, which seems kind of weird, watching your podcast, but some people really enjoy that. So we have a YouTube channel. You can find it at Heather Parody, P-A-R-A-D-Y. It's also linked up in the show notes. You can hit subscribe. And several of these interviews are actually in person. So you can watch that. Again, that is at Heather Parody on YouTube. Cheryl Lazar is an Emmy-nominated host and interviewer covering social media, emerging tech, and the future of well-being. Y'all, she has interviewed countless musicians and actors and influencers and leaders. She has traveled all over exploring some of the coolest aspects of our world. And I am just thrilled to have her on today's show to talk about her story, her perception of authentic communication in a digital age, why she's now placing so much emphasis on our mental health and how to take up space and belong in any room that you want to be in. Where you discover your true inner confidence is when you're, you're not in the best place. But there are people that are drawn to these different philosophies and ways of life and mindfulness, and we need those people to go into society, right? And to integrate what they're learning into modern society. Allow ourselves to exist in this space between strategy and play. I found you through Web3, which is a little unconventional because I know, you know, your career started in Web2, but I found you through Web3, saw you at VCon and all that stuff. And I was like, this, this woman's pretty badass. And then I started looking at your work and then I really didn't realize what a badass you actually are, uh, what you've done in your career. I was telling you before we hit record, just respect the hell out of it. I love not only are you a woman in this space who's playing a big game and doing a lot of cool stuff, but also to the way that you've been able to weave in things that matter into conversations like mental health and wellness. And just, you feel, I, I just met you for the first time, but so good, like just a, oh, a good human so in, in the media oh space. <laughs> I came here for a boost and I'm getting it. Thank you. I was wondering, looking back over your body of work, because when I was looking at it, I was like, damn, damn, this is incredible. When you look back at it, I mean, how does it feel to you? Because I know you've worked your butt off for it, and there's been ups and downs and all of that. But looking back over it, are you shocked of what you've been able to accomplish? Or does it feel just kind of like, yeah, no big deal? No, I, I think that everything you should, I, I hope everyone feels like whatever you do is a big deal. Because it is. The small things, the big things. I think when you start being like too cool for school about it, you start taking it for granted. Hmm. So I think in the moment, like when I was younger, I look back at a lot of things I did and I'm like, oh my God, like how did I do that at this age? Yeah. All that stuff. And so now looking back, like in hindsight, it informs me in terms of how I get to appreciate things now. Maybe at the time I, I didn't see how big of a deal it was, like getting nominated for an Emmy right. in my late 20s and launching my own company and doing a lot of firsts, you know, being a, the host of the first Oscars live stream, the Grammys live yep. stream, and the Tony yep. Awards live stream, like all these incredible things. I look at it like cat lives because so many times I'll talk to someone now and they'll ask, have you done something like this? Or do you have experience in this? And then I say, yeah, I mean, maybe not the second I'm exercising that skill, but at a certain point I did and it's still there. But it's not what I'm doing this second. Right. So that's what's interesting about it. Yeah. So it does feel like many chapters and sometimes I even forget 
like when I'm editing my current videos and I'll go into the archive for some throwbacks, I literally will be like, I forgot that this happened. Like, oh, I forgot I interviewed Joan Rivers for an hour on stage in New York. You Katie know, Perry. Like that. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Where you just, you, you forget because it all kind of gets put together. What, like, you, you forget the standout moments. And then it's important to remember them because that creates a sense of your own self-worth, your value, yeah. confidence, and recognizing where you've been. When you don't, and a lot of times, I think we tend to get in this vibe of like, oh, it's not a big deal, it's all good. Right. And even right. for me, when someone does that, I go, no, it is. Like, recognize what you're doing. Preaching. Preaching, preaching, preaching. You know, the whole, I had it here, you, you, this is saying that you say, you know, if you create it, you will be it. I hope I didn't mispronounce, mis, misquote I, that. I but this is, like that over the time. yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, it, and our whole thing. reality in a way. Yeah. 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 So you started saying, you know, I'm, I'm a host, I'm an interviewer, I'm a reporter before you even had jobs and you just like freaking made it happen, which is, you know, kind of, I feel like how you have to do it nowadays, especially in the entrepreneurial creative space, because the conventional path is, I'm not gonna say impossible, but difficult. Right. I think what comes up for me when I'm looking at your body of work and just the genuineness that you, that just bleeds through everything that you do is how do you play the game enough to see progress without losing your soul in the midst of it. Because here's what I've done, and I'm gonna tell okay. myself, because I don't mind, okay? Yeah, yeah, I wanna hear. I have revolted so much against like the system and what the bros are doing and all this stuff. Cause I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be an ass. I'm not gonna kiss people's butts. I'm not gonna do this or that. And what's happened is as a result, it's been very hard for me to get any traction at all. Hmm. And so this thoughts come into my mind, it's like, how much do you, work and build your career and quote, play the game in a way of its integrity, integritous, integritous y'all with the way of I love that word. <laughs> it's I get so it, good. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. That certain level where you're being a good steward and being ambitious, but not enough to the point where you lose your soul in the midst of it. I think what I'm hearing you, you say is being authentic to you. Like yeah. what feels right for you within the game. So mm. a lot of the times, I think what, what's allowed me to get through that is looking at it more as, you know, a business. Like I get hired to consult companies, right? I'm the founder of a company, two right. companies, right? So I try to look at it like if I was going to be looking at that from the outside, what advice can I give? And then you're able to look at it in a more objective way and you're able to say, okay, what is working that other people are doing? And then what feels aligned for me in that? What can I take from them? And then what can then I bring to the table that feels like my je ne sais quoi, my gift? Yeah. Right. So is that just like an internal check, like your own? Yeah. Okay. And, and, and I think that you also have to watch the, and I, I've done this before, like I consider myself that rebel, the disruptor, and in many ways... Like I wasn't fully accepted by traditional media. Even now mm -hmm. I'll have meetings with traditional media where with casting people or heads of departments and they boast about me or say how amazing I'm doing or, you know, have so many compliments and yet they're not hiring me to do things. And so I think that in some ways 
that didn't feel good and that doesn't feel good sometimes. And then I build resentment and then my way of dealing with that is putting on this front of, well, I don't need you. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yep. you know, yeah. I'm doing my own thing. I'm a rebel. Like, so you just have to watch why you're doing that. Maybe you are doing that and that is true. Yeah. But I, what's authentic to me is that I see the power of those traditional means and I'm down to play, but yet I realize my biggest growth has happened when I have done it alone or in the moments of space from those types of companies, right? Is like, yeah. that's where I really thrive and that's where my skill set is. So I think that instead of creating these stories of who's better than who, or this is bad and I'm good, you know, I think that mm -hmm. can really mess with your head. And in the end, it's just more asking the question, what feels right for you? What are you good at? What's your passion? And where can you explore that? And sometimes it might be in these more mainstream spaces and sometimes it won't. You wanted, you've wanted to do this since you were a little girl. I think I heard you say that you were like interviewing folks like even oh, yeah, in was, school. No, you're so good. I feel like I really look up to people like you to interviewers who do this like really uh, great research. Sometimes I feel like I, I should be doing more like that. And sometimes I go in, like Larry King used to say, and this is a bit of a lazy approach. He used to go in, I go in knowing nothing so I could be curious like everyone else. Is well, that why? Or is it because no, I've actually, I actually had some interview questions for you because, you know, you hear so many different, like I've heard Larry King. It's like, you need to say one sentence and like no context or whatever. And I'll preference something for like five minutes, which is, no, but everyone has you know, approach. and you know what Larry King came up at a time when not everyone had so much media out there and information about them. So it is a bit yeah. more challenging now. Like what, what are you going to bring out that no, no one has heard about or hasn't seen at the same time, because there's so much, there's a big chance that maybe someone knows of that person, but hasn't heard them. And you're introducing them to your audience, a new audience. And so, Anyway, that said, going back to your question of, yeah, like when I look back, you could say I've been a student of the game. Like instead of doing presentations for school, I would pretend I was interviewing someone. So I would do a video, like make my friend who was maybe my, pre my partner on the project. And I would say, okay, I'm going to interview you. I'm going to ask these questions. You're going to answer. And it's like, that's going to be our way of teaching, you know, the class, what we're talking about. Were you naturally just curious about people? Like, what was it? Was it the people that you were really interested in? Or is it the the game of interviewing? Because there's almost a game there. You need to people feel comfortable with you and, yeah, like, where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was into acting. And so, in a way, for me, it was performing. But I always loved unscripted programming, like talk shows and news magazines, more than yeah. I liked regular TV shows, like 90210, or at the time, for my age, Dawson's Creek. Right. My friends oh, were like obsessed with these things. And I was watching like 2020 and Dateline with my mom. And during the day when I was sick, I would watch talk shows. So and then and then we had MTV. We had um, in Canada much music. And so I just loved for some reason I had a fondness for these types of shows. And then as I was able to create at school or in my environments, I ended up leaning into recreating the things I was watching. Right. And so I, I do think it was a bit of the love of the industry of entertainment and again, the performance of it and how it all came together. Like I do this and you do this. And then I think it was my way of learning because I am not necessarily the person who learns best maybe by reading or 
essays or exams, but I found when I immersed myself into it through just having a conversation with someone, I learned yeah. a lot about what I was trying to discover, find out. Totally. And man, the people that you've been able to interview, first of all, like at some point we need to talk about just guts and courage or whatever, because I get, you know, just being comfortable in your skin. I don't, you don't ever look moved by anything. I mean, was that, were you just freaking confident, like coming out of the womb? You're like, well, no, yeah, I, I'm going to talk to Larry I've, King one day. I have day. a lot of anxiety and I appreciate that. I work a lot on my confidence. Really? So, FYI. Yes. Yeah. And I'm well, honest girl, you had it good. because I think it's important. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the work I do, you know, I think that, yeah, a lot of people think I have, I have confidence, and I even think I have confidence, but yet things will happen that will make me realize, like, the triggers I have hmm. or what I've been through, realize how much I do question myself and actually how much I, I do uh, not necessarily know how powerful I am or amazing I am. And this goes for everyone. Like, we all have those things. Like, you might think superficially because of what you've been through or who you get to be around or your accomplishments. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. confident, but then when you dig a bit deeper, you might realize actually, you know, maybe you're not as certain about everything you're doing. Like, are you doing it for validation? Are you doing it for the reaction? Do yeah. you actually follow your inner compass? Do you even know what that is? Are you listening to that? So I think that was the work that I've done really, I would say, you know, I'm 40 so 30 to 40 was really a lot of that work where I had accomplished all this stuff and yet I was finding myself still in a place of, you know, this highs and lows, which is life, but yeah. not being able to handle the lows. And, and that's where I would go into some sort of downward spiral and then I would attach myself to the highs yeah. and really identify with my highs. And so I think in the lows is where I really realized like how many issues I had. <laughs> And how, yeah. how much I actually didn't really maybe have confidence. Like my confidence lied in people giving me those reactions I needed to feel good. Mm. Like that's what I'm saying. You know, I think really where you discover your true inner confidence is when you're, you're not in the best place. Yeah. And like, how do you get yourself through that and, and know that you're going to be okay and you're, you're worthy of whatever you want. So that's. <laughs> Where yeah, that comes in and and also anxiety. Like I, I, if anything, I've had more anxiety later in my life than I did, and mm -hmm. I think that a lot of a lot of times that happens because kind of adult trauma happens or things happen as you're an adult and you didn't deal with the stuff from when you were younger, and so oh, it boy, bubbles yeah. up. Preaching, yeah, preaching. I feel that. What was your entry drug, I guess, into the inner work? Peace. Well, I started a company called Peace Inside Live, but yes, that the, the, I guess the work towards inner peace. I think it it started in uh, what year are we? Oh my God, twenty twenty. At twenty twenty, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. I was having a lot of highs and lows with what's trending, and yeah. it was just another one of the valley moments, right? And I said to myself, like, if this keeps happening, like, I, I just burnt out on it. I burnt out on being a creator. I burnt out on having my own it's company. Fair. It's fair. And I was dating someone at the time who also simultaneously was dealing with, like, depression and anxiety. So <laughs> we were just both kind of going through this. And I was, I'm a, overall a pretty excited, optimistic person. And I was finding myself not feeling that way. I said to myself that in that moment, like, this can't be it. 
Like, I'm not going to accept this state that I'm in. And so that led me on a journey of a bit self-discovery and trying to understand why I was feeling this way or how can I add tools to my tool belt, as they say, so that when I come back to this place or this situation, because things happen, that I'm in a better place to handle it. You know, emotional regulation yeah. and mindset totally. and all that stuff that we talk about. What's been like the biggest aha moment through that? Because you're learning who you are. You're learning. And I'm sure the lens in which you look at media and creation and all that shifts quite a bit too through that lens. Yeah. So what's been, I guess, just your biggest aha over the past 10 years? Oh, my God. The aha moment? I I think recognizing that every, you know, whether the moment I feel is the best moment in my life or career or quote unquote, like the worst moments yeah. that actually it's all kind of part of the experience. Like, you know, like you, you need yeah. it all, you need the yin and the yang or else, you know, it's all part of where you're going. Yeah. So this idea of like, oh, I need to control or create these judgments around why something is good or bad in my life. Like what if it just all is what it is and you're going to be okay and you're going to handle it. Yeah. Even if you feel in the moment, like you're not, you always do. You always do. Cause the next day happens, years happen. And yet we're all still here. Amen. Right. And so that's the thing. What I realized, I guess that was aha moment, like to have more faith and trust in myself and what's happening. Ooh, you know, it's so cool. I'm, I'm just going to keep singing your praises cool about what you do is I like putting things in categories. I'm like yeah. this over here and this over here. And I felt, I have felt turmoil a little bit of my love for, I love social media. I love content creation. I love like the technical pieces. I loved web three. I got NFTs on my wall. You know what I mean? Like I love all that stuff. And then also I used to be a therapist too. And I love no mental way. health. Oh, oh so yeah. Really I was no, that that's is what you do. This is why I love you. You can see where this is coming together. So like, I, I truly, I mean, I believe in some spiritual woo stuff and the whole package. So I got the wellness piece over here and then I got your girl wants to learn about awesome hooks and videos over here. Really? And sometimes I feel like this tension between those two worlds because it's easy to demonize the social and the tech and all of that, that it is harming our wellness. And there's a great case for that, right? Mm -hmm. What you have done through your work is you haven't picked one side or the other. You're able to blend both of those worlds and really be a, a, a figure and a spokesperson for yes, emerging tech. And also, you know, that's been hard for me too. I've, yeah. I'm very conflicted sometimes. And, you know, before COVID I was in the place of, I think I'm done with this stuff. Like I'm just so over it. Really? It's not feeling good. It doesn't feel good on my nervous system. Right. Yeah. And so it, I really thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to launch a yoga studio or I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, maybe I will study holistic psychology and get into that. Like, which is probably why we, we connect in that way. And then what happened was through COVID things started to emerge in web three. And I started to find a that excitement again. Right. That mm -hmm. little, you know, the energy, the fluttering of the heart where yeah. it is a bit of a dopamine hit, but more like uh, this is exciting. There's community, there's creativity, there's women, badass women right. here. Right. And I started to fall in love with it again. 
And then I kind of realized, like, yeah, maybe it's not one or the other, but one powers the other. And there's a real need for people that understand and have done the work and that continue to strive for that to be embedded in these spaces where the future is, right? So I joke around now, like, I'm a futurist who likes to live in the present moment. I like that. <laughs> right? And even I, I love the Tibetan Buddhist Thich Nhat Hanh because mm -hmm. he talks about engaged Buddhism, which is all mm -hmm. about this idea that it's not about going in the middle of the mountains and being away from society, but there are people that are drawn to these different philosophies and ways of life and mindfulness, and we need those people to go into society, right, and to integrate mm -hmm. what they're learning into modern society. And so that really inspires me to take what I'm learning and bring it into the digital age and the modern world. And we need more of that, right? Yeah. And so that's, that's what continues now to drive me, even though sometimes, yeah, I wonder, am I part of the solution or the problem? But that question, instead of being anxious about it, I think the awareness is important to continue to call myself forth and challenge myself mm -hmm. around that. And all of us yeah. should be doing that. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I don't, I don't know your thoughts on this. And my thoughts have shifted a lot over the past few years about God and calling and all of that stuff. But the fact that, I mean, you were a little girl and interviewing folks. I mean, that, that's not I know, that is funny. It is so funny. And then my bat mitzvah was a Hollywood-themed party. Like, you could say it was mini manifestation. You know, we use the buzzword manifestation right now. But it was just saying that there was obviously an interest. And, and I, at the time when you're young, you don't recognize these things. You're doing it so instinctively, mm -hmm. which I think is so beautiful. And then you get older and you become more self-aware. Some people aren't very self-aware. Obviously we know this, um, but you then start, if, if you're doing this work and learning, you almost go to the other extreme where you start over analyzing everything. Yeah, you totally. Do. totally. And then over strategizing, you could have a hobby. And then in this day and age, we're thinking, Oh, maybe this hobby, there's a business. How do I scale this? How do I build the Instagram following? Like, I think that we need to allow ourselves to exist in this space between strategy and play right? Ooh. Allow ourselves to journey into the things that we are intrigued by and curious by and, and move into it without necessarily thinking all the time about, is this going to be my future career or business? Oh, that's so hard. Sometimes when you're ambitious, man. It's so it is so hard, but like letting that, the, the idea go of where is this going? And that's just allowing it to bring us somewhere. Like imagine that thing that you love is another child and it's just whole, Bringing, yeah. holding your hand and bringing it to different places, right? What's possible when you allow for that versus overthinking where this is going to go. And I think what was so cool about Web3 for me was it was like that because at the time I kind of not given up, but I did let go. My, my company, Watch Trending, wasn't really doing well revenue-wise. My personal brand wasn't really making money. I hadn't started really consulting yet. And so almost the beauty of being back at square one is anything is possible. So I was actually mm -hmm. open to whatever. I was like, I, I have nothing to lose. And that's almost like the best, the best place to be. Like yeah. it is literally when you're back at zero, which is scary to a lot of people. But at the right. same time, the other, the glass half full side of that is that you, if you're open enough and you are willing to adventure, anything is possible. So when web three came in, I was like, this is cool. All right. People are asking me to do this. Okay. 
oh, I'm starting to make money. Okay. And I just kept saying, okay, this is fun. And it had to be fun. It was feeling energizing, right? So I was moving where the energy was going. And then I started to realize at that point, oh, this might actually be a thing. Like maybe I should be paying mm-hmm. attention because all the people I was in Web2 with, Randy Zuckerberg, Gary Vee, Alexis Ohanian, and more were all moving here at the time. And so I was like, well, maybe this isn't just random and fun. Maybe there's yeah. actually something I should be paying attention to. But like, it was so cool to look back at how organically it happened, at least for me, where I happened to do a Twitter space at the beginning of 2022 with all these YouTube creators I'd been in like the OG creator world with. We did this Web3 space and it was crazy. We had so many people there. And it was like, oh, this is interesting. And then I did a female space, like a women in Web3 space. And it happened to be the night that BFF, this NFT had launched that was for women, non-binary folks. And people for some reason thought it was like the after party. So they went from their virtual event to my Twitter spaces. And Mm. these moments are really magical when they, they happen. And sometimes you just can't strategize them. You're just, yes, the right place, right time, but you've done the work. You've done the work. Yeah, you've done the work yeah. and you're embracing something. You're like, you're, you're open enough to be curious and you're open enough to lean in. Mm. And I didn't know where it was going. It wasn't like, okay, I'm doing this space because I'm going to be doing weekly spaces. At that point, after those two Twitter spaces I did and I saw the reaction, that's when I did say to myself, okay, maybe I should take advantage of this traction. Yeah. Because in the past, I was so go with the flow about it. As much as you might think I've been very strategic, I was very much, oh, we'll see. And I said to myself, no, there's something here. I'm going to do a weekly space. You know, I'm going to now start being consistent. And then after that, I said, oh, there's something here. I'm going to start doing weekly videos, NFT stories of the week. And I just created the schedule as I was navigating. But then there was a bit of that energy of like, there's something here. There's something bubbling. And now I'm going to lean in. And then... I wasn't too attached as things were changing or as I felt, "Mm, this doesn't feel necessarily like I have energy to continue doing this. Maybe I'm going to shift, right? Yeah. At that point, you, as you see the results, you could figure out what works and what doesn't work. So with web three to get a little technical on you, I mean, I think usually people who haven't dived too deep into it, they just immediately associate NFTs, Web3, like that those are interchangeable yeah. or whatever. Can you share with us like what's happening right now in the Web3 space? Because I, th- I think I'm, I'm shocked that it hasn't integrated quicker than it has. And because I swear to God, by 2021, like December, I was like, we're all going to be on the blockchain in like a year, you know, and no, it just hasn't moved so as fast. Slowly. Well, I think yeah. the FTX situation and all of the SEC stuff really slowed it down and the fear yeah. around that, yeah. that caused a lot of people to pull out money. You know, the, there were liabilities, obviously class action lawsuits against a lot of celebrities. So yeah. what yeah. talent's gonna wanna come back into this space in that way? There's yeah. a lot of fears, right? And then the industry needed to figure itself out legally. And so I, I think that definitely slowed things down, including policy here in the US and the acceptance of crypto, even though for me, you know, a lot of people say to me, oh, are you still in Web3? Oh, that thing fell apart. Oh, you know, and I say, listen, I believe in blockchain tech and we're all going to have everything based around it. It's like the new cloud, right? Yeah. And you're not even going to know it's there. So I still am a proponent of that. And I still see the power and the importance of it for those who don't 
have the same access that we all do, whether it be right. to banks and traditional banking systems. So there's still a, a, a huge case for it around social impact, around equity, and obviously innovation and disruption of different industries. And there's still a lot of progress happening. And I try to talk about that on my weekly newsletter, The Alpha. Go check it out. Uh, but I really focus on use cases and also when something does happen, what does it actually mean for the industry and us at large? But I'm focusing on like how it is going to change how we live, interact, transact, all of that stuff. And my fear is that with all the bad news and all the shakeups, again, you end up getting people that uh, besides people that weren't supposed to be in it, that were bad actors, they leave, you know, the people that didn't really believe in it. But my bigger fear is people that um, need the, you know, people that need money now, people that don't have time to waste, specifically women yeah. or those in other communities, LGBTQ communities, BIPOC communities, they don't have the resources or the time to spend in a space that is risky, right? And so you end up with a continued space that has just the same people riding that wave and right. making the money when it does get to a better place. And so yeah. that's why I do think if, if you are from one of these communities and you continue to be here, and including for me, I try to continue letting people know I'm not embarrassed by it because I, I don't want women to be left behind. I don't want anyone to be left behind. And I want all of us to have the skill sets we need so that when companies are building these divisions, that we understand it and we yeah. know how we can contribute. And the same yeah. thing with AI, right? Like we yeah. need to pay attention to where the money is going and where the energy is going. Yeah. And, you know, I was shocked. I think last year was, or this year was better at VCon, but the first year, man, it was like, there was no women at all. I mean, literally it was just like, and it has nothing to do. I mean, I know Gary can't really control that or it was just what's yeah, attractive it's, it's, it's a very bro-y space you it, know? it's yeah that is it's a male-dominated space because you know there's so many reasons for that but i even think you know i think there's women and this is so overarching right but being risk averse also spending our money our right. extra money we do have on other things that women do to keep up with society right Mm -hmm. Our hair, our nails, you know, there's the tampon tax. Like there is a female tax to life and the extra money that men might have, they end up spending on things that actually help them and bring them more wealth. Whereas yep. a lot of the times the things we spend money on don't, right? And there's right. also a lack of education around these spaces for us. I mean, these are things a lot of us talk about. And then also if we don't see ourselves in the spaces because a lot of these emerging industries men become the center of it, right? Or right. They, they become the spokespeople because some of them were first, right? So if we don't see ourselves in spaces, we think it's not a space for us. So there's so many reasons for that. This, just my experience, I know it's different across the board. I know that I have questioned the weight of what I bring to the table and my perspective and what oh, I can add true. to a conversation. So when, yeah, so when you go into something that's heavily masculine, a lot of masculine energy. I can roll with that, but also the way that my wiring is, is a lot more lean into feminine mental health, these things. And so I question the weight of that in the conversation. And so for me, it's made me weary 
of injecting myself in these situations because I'm like, what do I have here? Which really at its core is an issue I need to work on within myself to realize that this is the thing that we need to be talking about. What you're bringing up is, you know, typical imposter syndrome. And then also, yeah, it's this idea that as women, we question ourselves and our ability to be in spaces and and owning that space, right? Owning our power in that. Right. And, and this is, it goes back to doing the inner work because guess what? There will be spaces and times where people are open and welcoming of you and they're showering you with compliments and that is awesome. And you feel it and you're like, Oh, this feels juicy and yummy. And then there'll be just spaces that that's not happening. And how do you still show up? That's the work that I'm doing. That's the work that I encourage my fellow woman to do because guess what? Even when you're not getting that acknowledgement, or maybe, you know, hopefully you end up in spaces that feel good and you deserve that period. But say "Mm, this, this doesn't feel like, I don't know. I need to be here because people are here. How do you know yourself well enough and know your worth Mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter. And guess what? You end up inspiring people nonetheless. Cause so many times half those people, more than half, most of those people, those guys don't know what they're doing or talking about anyway. But they have this dude confidence, right? We all know yep. that. It's why guys yep. apply for jobs above their role, pay grade, et cetera. Women don't. Yep. This is a yep. known thing, right? Yep. And so we get to think that way too. Like uh, I've even been practicing this where with a consulting role or with anything where if someone asks me you know, my price or rate, I double what I thought, right? Or it's Damn. And it can be uncomfortable. I love that. Right? And, you know, don't do that just to, you know, do it. But, like, it depends on the company and all that. If someone's sure. like, I have no money, maybe not the right person. Or I have very little budget. You might want to say, okay, right. well, what are your budget parameters? And what right. does it actually mean? But then you might say, well, typically I do this. Right. Because when I started going to my male friends when as I was getting into consulting or other stuff and I started sharing or asking them what how they price themselves, I started realizing I was underpricing myself. Yep. And that is the reality. So I think as women, we need to know that and we need to know how we sabotage ourselves and how we undermine ourselves in order for someone else to take us seriously. And this is the reality. That's like tough love. Yeah. Like you might get that person. We all do where those spaces that just feel good. And I hope or that I want to manifest that for all of us. And I, I think about that myself. I want to attract spaces that feel aligned and all that. Yeah. But that's not always what happens or you have to set that standard mm-hmm. like they will treat you only as well as you're treating yourself and you're showing Preach. up that is the reality and so yeah, yeah so that's where I, I come back to my own space at home and I have my work I do so that when I go out into the real world with others I could be that same person that I know I yeah. am yeah and own that and I hope for that for everyone. That's, it's like my prayer and for everyone and, and the women I talk to. Yeah. Especially. I heard you say, and this was a, a few years ago, but one of the things that you would start practicing doing is just when you started feeling nerves come up in general with whatever you were doing, you would just say the word love over yourself and it would just kind of like wash over you. I've been saying thank you a lot. I just thank Me you. Too. Thank I you. Thank you. Too. I say thank it you. works. It works. It works. Do you still practice that or what other like, because here's the deal. Here's the deal. 
I feel like sometimes I'm good. I'm like, girl, I've been working on it. I'm, you're I'm, in the I'm, flow. You're in the vibe. Yeah. I'm in the flow and the vibe. And then like sometimes it'll just like hit you. And I, I haven't really dug into the nervous system stuff yet. That's my next venture I need to get into. But sometimes when your body and your mind aren't aligned, you see, you hear what I'm saying? So those affirmations, those words, like you still do that. What other things do you do yeah. in the, in the moment? I will, will move my body, just get the energy moving, not getting stuck yeah. because it's like a somatic movement that helps you in your nervous yeah. system, breathing in through the nose, box breathing, like four in count to four, hold for four out, um, and then hold for four. And you continue doing that a few times, like really deep belly breaths, mm. breathing is very helpful to get from sympathetic into parasympathetic. I'm a breath holder. Fight or flight mode. Because a lot yeah. of times when that the, the nerves are happening, it's because your brain thinks you're in some sort of unsafe situation, right? Yeah. And then you have to tell yourself and remind your brain, no, we're here. I'm in my, my office right now. I'm with Heather. She's so sweet. Like, you're safe. You're yeah. good. Yeah. And so a lot of the times, like even on my phone, I have the, uh, like on it, it says, I'm safe, I'm peaceful, I'm protected. Right. So a lot of times it is saying I'm powerful. I'm worthy. Like I have my words mm -hmm. that I need to hear that I'll say to myself or I'll say it in the mirror. I'm powerful. I'm worthy. I'm yeah. Abundant. I'm yeah. awesome. I look good. I sound good. And then, so I'll say that. And then also I will visualize myself on stage or wherever I'm at, I'm at that mm. is giving me anxiety. So the day, maybe I'm going into the day and I visualize the day and I visualize how I feel in each situation, what's happening. Right. I, and I, I feel into, what does that feel like? And at the end of the day, how am I going to feel? Or at the end of that presentation, what's it going to feel like? How do mm -hmm. I want to feel? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I'll, I'll you know, and, and you get there by really imagining it. And then really, you have to feel into it. It's not just seeing it. Because then when you feel into it, you are tricking your brain into thinking it's happening. Yeah. And then, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this and you almost like you sh end up showing up in that way. You recreate that scenario because you've been there. Yeah. The neural network is there to create that versus maybe get you off track. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but it, that's why it's important to have, the, un have and understand the tools that work for you. So that, that's what works for me, you know, and then you knowing just trusting that it's going to be okay and i i sometimes do a prayer of like higher conscious universal whatever you pray yeah. to yeah he's got guide me on my path of my highest impact and service for all like where i'm just like help me get out of my own way help me surrender and trust and i just like put up my prayer hands and i say thank you thank you thank you thank, mm. you, thank you i love thank you what it what do you there's a lot envisioning there, for your, no, it's so good. It's so good. And I love when I can connect with someone who keeps the main thing, the main thing, you know what I mean? Like, yes, there's a lot of tactical stuff. Yes. There's a, a lot we could talk about, but this inner work piece is freaking everything. And I know that sounds so cliche, but my God, like the only way that I can pursue X or have the audacity to start a business or a show or whatever is this internal place that I come in where I'm okay, regardless of what happens. That's your foundation. That's where you build yeah. from. A lot of times we think our foundation is our work or our this, our kids, if you have kids, your dog, whatever you have, but you are the foundation. Everything stems from that. 
how's yeah. that foundation doing? I was also just going to do one, one other pragmatic thing that helps yeah. get out of your head when you're in a crazy place is to do a mindfulness practice where you're noticing things. So you stop and you say, no, what am I seeing right now? You actually name those things. Oh, I see a fan. I see a mirror. And you actually get out of the fight or flight reaction that you're in. And you start regulating your nervous system. What am I smelling right now? What am I tasting? So that's a, another great mindfulness practice that could help. This is a very, and I will be wrapping up in a second, very weird question that came up for me when you were talking as a host, yeah, right? As somebody who, I mean, really your job is to connect with that person and be able to bring out the gold in sometimes a very short ass amount of time. And a huge part of that, correct me if I'm wrong, is the presence element where you can be really embodied with that. Now you can't control when Paul over there is not in that space, oh. right? And yeah. so I know this is a left field question, super selfish y'all that I'm asking this. No, this one's it. for me. This one's for me though. I'm curious when you're, you know, your job is to connect with folks, but you're only half the equation. How do you oh, manage yeah. that? That is hard. That's a great question. And, and that's why I say interviewing, it's a Zen practice. For me, when you are in the flow and it's working, it is a beautiful thing. It's like a dance with each other because mm -hmm. you're each giving each other energy. Yeah. And it's, it's a flow back and forth. And so th there are times when that's not happening and it hits you out of nowhere and you don't know what to do with it. And there's been times I've managed it better than other times. Yeah. Because a lot of times either I'm setting the energy and that goes back to emotional regulation, right? You're regulating someone. You're saying, okay, you're in my space and I'm establishing how this is going to go and you're feeding off of each other, right? Or maybe they establish it and it's good enough energy that you say, I'm going to go with that. This is making <laughs> me feel good, right? But when, you know, which is why the hope is that no matter what, if they're bringing you down or the energy sucks, that you're still bringing it. Right. Because in the end, you can't control what they do. And audience members, unfortunately, will see that. And at least at the end, they'll say, well, at least she tried. She was a pro. The other person wasn't. You, sometimes you can't salvage, like, if someone just sucks, yeah, you can't salvage it, which is why then it goes back to, in, in, including if you're alive or on stage, but well, the most you can do is do your research, be present, and try to make the best out of it, right. and help them shine, and then let it go, right? Which is also why sometimes it's better to not be live so that you can edit around it. And if you get a sense yeah. that this is not going where I need it to go, sometimes, and my editors have hated this and my producers, but I will produce it. I will right. say, okay, I'm going to stop for a second. I just need you like, imagine you're talking to this person about this. How yeah. would you say it? I need you to move more into the mic. So this is for audio, right? Or I need you to sit up and or let's just move our bodies a bit because I'm feeling like, oh, I, I'm feeling mm -hmm. like we need more energy in this. Like, or I'm really trying to tell the story of how you've built this. Or I want people to feel this when they watch this. Mm -hmm. So like, if you can, to the best of your ability, you know, present it like that, that'd be amazing because it's going to help me make it like a really great segment. So Which is helpful for them. Lead them there. Yeah. I think too, I mean, it has to be hard, difficult, it has to be difficult to maintain that presence element yes. and also the producer in the back of your head because you are thinking about the content. Yes. You know what I mean? And I haven't figured out that piece just yet. 
It's a, it's always a work in progress because sometimes I'll be so in the moment. Well, for me, it's a great conversation. It's not necessarily great content for others or right. for if I'm working with someone for, for what they need for the edit. Right. So right. that's also the dance. Yeah. How do you have, you know, clarity of what you need to get out of it? You know, what's the goal of this interview? What are you trying to get? While also letting it go where it needs to go so you can get those golden nuggets. And that is the art of it. That's the art of the this interview. Fun. Right? Yeah. That's why well, I think craft. it's something to learn. It's something to get better at. The more you do, you learn what works for you. You learn what works for others. You put in those Seth Godin says the 10,000 plus hours. And then also, guess what? You might have just bad interviews, bad days, and that and happens. Okay. And how do you take that and not run with it like you're horrible at what you do, but just learn from it? Preach. Well, I could not think higher of you. I think you're amazing. And I'm just so grateful, not only that you took time to come on, but also the way that you're showing up in the world and showing the beautiful balance that we can have as creators to produce and create and get better, uh, but also to prioritize our being, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I just absolutely adore you. Listen, I know you have a journal oh that- God, I was just going to bring it up. Yes. The joy yes. Of please tell us about journal. that. So the Joy of Missing Out journal is a daily practice for the joy of missing out as an antidote to FOMO. And I love me and my co-founder of Peace Inside Live, Jordana Reem, created this because we are avid journalers. It's helped us process what we're going yeah. through. And because we also do a lot of events, we would always- ask people, Hey, take out your journal, take out your notepad. And so finally we said to ourselves, it was one of those bucket list things like, let's just create our own. And so we did it through this theme because really what Jomo is about joy of missing out is really about the joy of being here. It's about presence. It's about a new mm -hmm. form of mindfulness as we deal with this modern world that we're in where there's so much happening and we want to keep up with it all, but also we got to keep up with ourselves. And yeah. create the time and space to reflect on who we are and what we actually want, or else we're going to be reactive and not intentionally responsive. And we're being guided mm. by all these things outside of us instead of being guided by our own mm. health. Mm. So through these morning and nighttime prompts we have here in this journal, our hope is it can help guide you there. And then what's cool is we also have art in that, that you can be inspired by. That actually cool. were part of an NFT collection called the Jomo Effect we did in May for Mental Health Awareness Month, where we raised money for mental health charities. So that's in there, and then you could buy it and donate as well, get some of the art, and then also create your own art. So all of it are science-backed tools to help guide you towards more joy and inner peace. Can you give me a prompt example? Oh, yes. One of my favorites is, what is one thing that I will choose joy in doing today? Because... Yeah, so many of us just do things, again, mm -hmm. the doing versus the being. Mm -hmm. I mean, even eating, like we just eat, we throw it down. Me, I'm like, you know, we lack mindfulness. Yeah. How many yeah. times do we do things every single day that are beautiful things because it's part of us being alive and human. Mm -hmm. Taking a deep breath, there's things we take for granted. So how can you take something that small that you do every day and be intentionally joyful about it, slow down, and then maybe take something that, you don't typically like doing cleaning, right? Yeah. Having yeah. maybe a difficult conversation and find joy in doing yeah. that. So I, I love that prompt. I love it. That will be linked in the show notes. I think this will be perfect Christmas gifts too. That's what I was thinking yes. earlier and I was looking at it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very last question. It's written on my wall. The things right. that made you weird as a kid make you great today. So if we're looking back at you, and I'm not talking about something kind of cute, yeah. Yeah. weird. I'm talking about like, 
weird AF about you as a little girl that you now know makes you great today? What would that be? Makes me great. I don't know. <laughs> Dancing around naked? No. I don't know. If it makes yes, me I've never got that answer. Let's go. <laughs> I used to just like run around naked as a kid. I mean, we all did. Really? I still do that. No. Just for freedom? Or what was, what was this? What I was used the deal to take, there? Like, I, was, I thought it was funny. I used to take my towel and pretend I was Superman right before getting ready for like a bath or a shower, just like run around. But no, I think just being playful, like the playfulness mm -hmm. of, you know, yeah, jumping around and just being stupid kind of like there's no, there's no rhyme or reason, but just yep. playing and, and singing sometimes or dancing around yeah. and it, yeah. yeah, for no reason. I hope that makes me better as an adult. I think it does because it, it makes me lighter and more joyful. And my hope is that I bring that to the people I love to, which I think my boyfriend thinks that because he's really smart and like tactical. And I think I bring out that other side of him and hopefully the people I'm around. It is all through your content. I love the word light. That's you for sure. For sure. I try. I love it. Yes. Today I'm like, I have had heavier days, but yes, I appreciate that. <laughs> I hear you. Thank you for your time today. This was awesome. Thank you. You rock. Cool. I love the questions. You're awesome.